Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's today, we actually have a returning guest who appeared back in July uh, 2020, which is episode 86. Um, so go and check that episode out after obviously listening to this. Um, and I want to welcome back Alan Carter, who's the president and CEO of Gabriel Gold, a middle exploration company with a focus on gold and copper with a key asset. Um, which is QUQU Gold Project, which is located in northern Brazil. Um, Alan's a a geologist by background, um, and I know he's super passionate about this project, having obviously recorded a podcast last year. Um, And he's someone that's obviously invested also, invested his own money in the project. Um, And I'm really keen to get an update on, um, on what's been happening for any further development since since um, 15 months ago. Um, and what else has obviously changed in the, the Brazilian mining industry? So that's welcome, Alan, to the podcast. How are you doing, Alan? Yeah, I'm well, Rob. Nice to be back. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, and I appreciate your time. And like I mentioned, when we um, when we spoke last year, um, I could see your pa- your passion for, for the project. So I wanted to get you to come, come back on and, and sort of give us a an update on the project. So for those that haven't listened to the previous episode, I just wanted to give us um, a snapshot of Gabriel Gold. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, uh, as you said, my name's Alan Carter. I'm the CEO and president and the founder of Cabral Gold. We are a Canadian listed junior gold exploration company. Uh, We have a project called Kuyu Kuyu, as you mentioned, in northern Brazil, Rob. Um, We currently have two deposits already defined at Kuyu Kuyu with resources totaling about a million ounces. Um, there's quite a lot of upside to uh, both those uh, deposits. Uh, since that resource was completed, resource estimate on those two deposits was done in 2018, we've drilled another 25,000 metres, and we currently have five rigs turning on the project. So we're planning on drilling another 30,000 uh, metres uh, this year. Um, the project really is district scale. We have 43 targets within eight kilometre radius of those uh, two deposits. So, um, and this is in an area called the Tapajós in northern Brazil, which is the site of the world's largest ever gold rush as a, a region that happened in the 1980s. So um, it's a very productive, prolific area. And uh, we believe that there's a number of additional deposits to be to be discovered there. Okay. Um, in your opinion, what criteria should an investor sort of in the junior mining sector use when deciding um, a company, obviously a company like yours, to invest in? I think uh, the three key criteria, Rob, uh, for me at least as, a, as an investor in this sector are management, uh, management and management. Uh, and I'm not trying to be flippant, but, the, but they really are the key things. I mean, what you basically should be looking for as an investor in this sector is a, is a management team that uh, has some technical smarts. Uh, you know, geologists, mining engineers, they know what they're doing. They've got a track record of discovery. Uh, and they're qualified to to be running one of these companies. That's on its on its own though is not enough. Uh, you need a management team that also can raise money. 
um, you know, being smart and, and being technically uh, competent is no good if you cannot raise money uh, to get work done. So uh, you need to have a management team that can raise money. And I think the most important thing for me from a management perspective is uh, I invest in companies where management is putting its own money to work. So I want to be aligned with the management team. And, um, and, it, and it's interesting once you start digging into, you know, which companies the management team are investing in outside of management. Obviously, the project is very, very important. I look for projects that already have an established resource on it. Uh, so I like my down, some downside protection when I invest. So I like to see a resource. I invest in things that have tremendous upside. I'm not looking really at companies that could, you know, the resource could grow by 30 or 50%. I'm looking at companies where the resource could grow by 300, 400, 500% or more than that. A jurisdiction is important. A mining friendly jurisdiction is very important. And so are the neighbors. You should be looking for companies where uh, that have projects that are either adjacent to uh, big mines or big projects uh, that are uh, in development, uh, where uh, preferably major companies are active. Um, so um, I think, uh, you know, for me, I think that those are probably, I made a few notes here, upside news flow. That's the other key thing. All of what I've just said is great, but if there's no news coming out, um, then, uh, then you may have to wait a very long time to, uh, to, to see a rise in the share price. So I think news flow, cash, obviously we mentioned that. Um, yeah, I think those are the key things. But management is, is, is really the key criteria that I use. Yeah. Um, you've just recently raised some money. Just wonder if you can tell, tell us a little bit about that and how that journey went. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, we set out, uh, we were fortunate. We were approached by uh, several brokerage firms uh, earlier this year. Um, in the second quarter about the possibility of a bought deal. And so we announced a, a $10 million bought deal. I think it was back in uh, June. Um, we actually closed on $11.5 million. So the bought deal was upsized uh, in, in the first week of July. Now, for those of your listeners who don't know what a bought deal is, um, what a bought deal means it, it is basically for us as an issuer, the brokerage firm is is guaranteeing the financing. Obviously, what happens when you do a broker deal is the brokerage firm goes out to look for investors uh, to invest in your offering. Uh, but uh, a board deal means that if they don't get sufficient investors to cover the, the, uh, the deal, then uh, they're going to have to put up their own money. So it's a much lower risk proposition for a company like ours. And I think is, um, you know, it's a good indication. Uh, it goes back to what I said earlier. It's a good indication that a company can raise money they're getting bought deals done. So we've just put in $11.5 million into the treasury. And um, that's that's allowed us to uh, to really upsize the drill program that we're doing too. Yeah. You, you're sort of the largest share, shareholder in Gabrol. Um, can you tell us why you've invested so much of your own money in, in the company? Uh, yeah, I am, Rob. And uh, this is um, not as common as you would think in terms of uh, CEOs and management teams putting in their own money. I mean, you should be looking for as an investor in terms of how much money the management team is investing in the company, um, because it, obviously, when you put your own money at risk, it drives behavior. I mean, I eat, sleep and drink Cabral Gold. Uh, why? Because I've got a massive chunk of my net worth at stake here. Why have I put a massive chunk of my net worth at stake in this company? Because I think it has enormous upside. Um, and, and I think uh, it, it's, a tremendous, it's a tremendous opportunity. So you're right. I have put a lot of money, uh, my own money to work in, in, in this company. Um, the reason that I put um, that I am the largest shareholder um, 
is because I've basically been in this industry, Rob, for about 30 years now. And I can never recall in all my career, and I've worked in, uh, in lots of different countries and I've looked in lots and lots of different gold exploration projects. I've never seen a gold exploration project with this kind of potential. And the reason I say that is because the part of Brazil that we're working in, the Tapajos region, was the largest um, placer uh, gold belt in, in Brazil. It is the largest placer gold belt. By placer gold, I mean gold that's being uh, eroded into streams and rivers. There was a huge gold rush that happened here in the 1980s. A million people rushed into this area. It's quite remote back then. It's not anymore. Uh, and they extracted the Brazilian government estimates somewhere between 20 and 30 million ounces of gold from the streams and rivers here. So this was from a whole series of different places, probably 100 different places they were washing gold from the streams. The project that we own was the richest and biggest one. And so I think if you ask most geologists, um, look, you know, there's, a, there's this area of placer gold, this region where a lot of placer gold came out of the streams and rivers. Where would you start as a geologist if, in, in terms of looking for the hard rock sources of all this gold, trying to figure out where all this gold is coming from? You'd look first at, or most geologists would look first at the uh, placer gold areas which produce the most amount of placer gold in the streams. And our project, Kuyu Kuyu, was the biggest one. Um, so, like I said, we've already got two deposits there. We think uh, these two deposits explain about 10% of the placer gold. So these two deposits have been eroding over millions of years, and about 10% of the gold in the streams we think is explained by these two deposits. Uh, the question is, where's the other 90% of the gold coming from? The lots of streams and uh, streams in, in our area where there was gold recovered in the streams, so and we haven't yet found the hard rock deposit. So with five rigs running, I think we're going to, uh, we're optimistic. I'm very optimistic that we're going to make additional discoveries in the next few months. Yeah. Um, since we last spoke, there's been obviously some very positive uh, developments in the uh, Tabajos region, um, particularly with uh, respect to the TZ projects, which is adjacent to uh, your project. Um, can you tell us about those developments um, and what impacts uh, they could have on your particular project? Yeah, this again goes to what I was saying earlier about when you invest, look for companies that have uh, are in a good jurisdiction with good neighbors. Now, as I said, the Tapajos region is very, very exciting. There is a project next door to us uh, called the TZ Project. It is owned currently by El Dorado Gold. They bought it oh, about 11 years ago now, back in 2010. It's about two and a half million ounces. Um, and they've done a lot of work on it, feasibility study. They've done a lot of engineering work on it. It's on, there's a page on their website. Um, about, um, well, back in, sort of, I think it was the second week of August, El Dorado announced that they were selling that project. So that's been sitting on the back burner for quite some time. El Dorado is focused on other jurisdictions. They have mines in Turkey, Greece, and Canada. And they've decided to sell this project for 110 million US dollars to a Canadian company called G Mining. Now, G-Mining is run by a very, very good set of mine builders. Uh, these guys aren't renowned for their exploration prowess, but they are very renowned for their ability to build mines on time, big mines on time and under budget. And um, these guys, I hear, looked at a lot of different projects um, when they were looking for a, a gold project to acquire and, and build, and they've, and they've made a deal with El Dorado to buy this project. Now, that is right next door to us. Um, it is fully permitted. Uh, currently, the deposit is larger than the two deposits that we have. During the gold rush days, however, 
that project only produced a fraction of the amount of placer gold that we uh, that our area produced. So their area was about 10% in terms of its historic placer gold production than ours. But we think that we've got a much larger district, but it's a very, very positive development, Rob. Um, that G mining, the steel still has to close, but G mining has just closed on a $70 million bought deal. Very, very large bought deal. They started with $40 million in cash. I'm sure there will be subsequent financings. If you read um, their, um, their, 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 their uh, investor presentation, they're talking about an aggressive schedule in terms of redoing the feasibility study um, uh, and making a construction decision on the project um, by sort of June, the end of the second quarter of, of 2021. So very big uh, project. Um, this, um, assuming it does go into production, and it's looking very likely that it will now, albeit with a different owner, um, this has profound implications for the whole of this region. Why? Because TZ will be ultimately be Brazil's third largest gold mine. It'll be a very large open pit gold mine. Um, it will bring a lot of new infrastructure into the project, including a power line. G-Mining is talking about putting a grid power. Now, that will bring grid power to within 20 kilometers of our, our project. Obviously, roads are going to improve. Uh, the whole infrastructure is going to improve. Um, it really brings a lot of credibility to our part of the world. And, uh, and we're right next up to them. We're right on their doorstep. Our claims are actually contiguous with theirs. So it's a pretty exciting development, I think, for everybody who's uh, involved in the gold industry in Brazil and particularly in the Tapajos. Um, so, um, so looking forward to, and we, we wish them all the best and, and uh, looking forward to uh, you know, the, their progress with that project. Yeah. Um, can you tell us what is special about uh about the QUQ project um, when compared to sort of other gold exploration projects, uh, maybe within the region and maybe throughout Brazil and even out through, throughout South America? Yeah, it's the sheer number of targets that we have here. So we have a district scale um, project. Now, most projects, TZ is a good example. There's a, there's a nice soil anomaly at TZ. It's two kilometers long. El Dorado drilled an awful lot of holes there now, and uh, and it's a nice deposit. But there aren't a series of deposits in close proximity within two or three kilometers. In fact, there aren't a whole sort of number of, of, of well-developed targets. Now, it may be that G-Mining will identify some new targets there, but El Dorado had that project for 11 years and didn't add any ounces to the resource base, and they did a lot of drilling. Uh, G-Mining hopefully will have a lot more success. Our project's fundamentally different to that project and most other projects in that there are just so many high-grade quartz veins sticking out of the ground here, um, so many uh, different showings. So, I mean, for example, in the last 18 months, we've been finding an awful lot of um, boulders in a number of different areas in the eastern part of the property. Now, these boulders... Um, we think could explain a lot of the placer gold. The boulders have obviously been eroded from uh, different areas of our property, but some of these boulders are extremely high grade. I mean, one area that we're drilling right now, uh, the boulders average 91 grams a ton. That's three ounces a ton, Rob. Uh, right, and we don't yet know where those boulders are coming from. Now, that target is one of 43 that we have. Uh, you know, we've got 10 targets outside the two deposits within about an eight-kilometer radius. Um, 
where we've already done a little bit of drilling, not enough to define resources yet, but we've got 10 of these 43 targets which already have high-grade drill intercepts. And I'm talking over some pretty good widths. I mean, you know, one area's got, we've drilled 27 meters at 6.9 grams. It's not in the resource. It's, it's, a, it's about 500 meters outside the resource. There's another one where we've got 39 meters at 5.1. Earlier this year, year, we drilled 34 meters at 5.4 and another one. It, it, it's, just, it's just very, very uncommon in my experience to come across a project that just has so many excellent quality targets. I mean, look, as, as, a, as a guy who's been in this industry quite some time, I would be thrilled to have, you know, 10% or 20% of the area that we have with, with five or six quality targets in it. And we've got 43 so far. Um, obviously, that presents a challenge because then you need to decide where you're going to focus your, your, your limited resources and energies. But I, I truly believe that we have something that is going to be district scale and that there will be multiple deposits here. As I said, we already have two deposits already drilled. Uh, with, with a million ounces contained within them. They're both open at depth. There's a lot of high-grade mineralization that's not included in the, um, those resource, that resource estimate from 2018. But, but I think um, there will be a number of additional tar- uh, deposits here uh, just because we have so many different high-quality targets within close proximity to the two known deposits. And uh, that's why it's special. Yeah, no, and it, it, it certainly uh, sounds special, especially with the... Uh with uh, all those figures that you just mentioned. Um, what is the significance of the two new gold, uh, gold in oxide blanket zones that you've recently identified at QUQU? Uh, yeah, tremendously exciting. So these two new golden oxide blankets, let me explain uh, first what these things are. These are sort of um, resulted from erosion of the primary deposits, which are uh, hosted by the underlying intrusive rocks. So over millions of years, these things have been eroding and they've spread out on surface and and the gold has spread out on surface and it's been um, uh, eroded into soil and sand and mud. And back in April, we announced that we'd found quite a significant blanket on top of uh, one of the primary deposits, uh, one of the two primary deposits I just mentioned called MG. And um, the reason that we found this now is that we've been drilling a lot of holes along various section lines across the deposit. And we found that the second dimension uh, of this mineralization um, is quite extensive. Uh, currently, we have this blanket is covering about 20 hectares, but it's growing. It's up to 50 meters thick, probably going to average somewhere around 30, 35 meters thickness would be my guess. It's early days. Um, but all this mineral, the gold mineralization in it is, is in unconsolidated mud and sand. Uh, we've just drilled, I think, the best hole so far into this blanket is 60 meters at three and a half grams rock. Now, most of the holes are a lot lower grade than that. They're half a gram, they're 0. 0.6, they're 0. 0.7, they're a gram. Um, but I think it's very important to realize that the costs of mining and processing unconsolidated mud and sand and soil are a fraction of, um, of what you would probably pay to um, um, you know, mine hard rock, you know, what most gold mines cost. So, so you know, just as a sort of rough estimate, uh, I think a mining and processing cost in most jurisdictions around 25 US dollars a ton would be reasonable. Obviously, it's going to vary 
um, depending on jurisdiction, depending on the ore type, et cetera, et cetera. This sort of material, we're probably going to be mining and processing it for maybe $2 for the mining cost, processing perhaps four or five. I mean, it, it is much, much lower cost. And then, of course, you think about the capital cost. The capital cost is much, much lower. Uh, and so what does all that translate to? Well, that translates to you know, material which is averaging a gram a tonne in this sort of material is probably you're going to need between five and 10 grams uh, a tonne in hard rock material to create the same sort of margin, the same sort of profit margin. Now, I must stress, look, at Kuyukuyu, we don't yet have a scoping study done. Right now, our focus is on discovery. Uh, that's where we think we're going to get most value creation. Uh, we do think that we've got a multi-million ounce district here, but the first blanket is truly very exciting. I mean, not a, not quite apart from the sort of the the potential cost implications when we come to uh, defining a PAA. Obviously, this all all this material, which as I said, is up to fifty meters thick on surface, was assumed to be sterile back in two thousand eighteen. It was assumed to be waste material that would have to be moved at a cost. It's not. It's all. So not only is it going to add a significant number of ounces to the resource estimate, obviously the stripping ratio is going to come down. Because the stripping ratio is lower, the pit depth will get bigger. So uh, it will go deeper. So that will pull in more ounces into the pit at the at depth. Um, and probably the most important thing, it, it does start to open up the option of us getting into production much, much quicker than we otherwise would, would be able to. Uh, because the capital cost for this sort of material would be so low. So we found the first oxide blanket. We don't have a resource on it yet, but we're, we've almost completed uh, 74 holes, a grid, uh, an RC grid drill program. The other exciting thing, Rob, you mentioned that we found two of these. Um, a couple of months ago, we announced we found a second one. And the second oxide blanket is not sitting above the second hard rock deposit. As I said, we have two hard rock deposits. We expect there will be another blanket sitting above the second hard rock deposit. But for logistical reasons, we actually went to, to another one of these 43 targets where we don't yet have a hard rock resource. And we drilled that before we came onto the second hard rock deposit. And so we came to this other target, which is about called Powder Merenda or PDM, uh, where we don't have a resource yet. Uh, but there were some indications from half a dozen historic holes that there could be oxide material very, very similar to MG. And, uh, and we found another blanket, a second blanket, which is currently about 800 by 300 meters, probably not quite as thick as MG. Um, but um, the interesting thing about that is not only that we found a second blanket, it, but it also raises out the possibility of, well, is there a primary deposit sitting in the intrusive rock underneath this second blanket, like, like the situation at MG? No doubt uh, we're sure that Central is um, or very, very... Um, confident that there, there will be uh, another blanket above central. So uh, there's a lot of this oxide mineralization. And, and like I said, it really is, it's a, it's a bit like having something, you know, the cream on top of a cup of coffee, the, 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 arguably the best part of the coffee. Um, uh, but um, no, it, it's tremendously exciting. But I, th I think um, investors need to realize that the significance of this, um, when they look at the grades in this material, it's unconsolidated. There's no drilling and blasting required here. It will just be scooped up. The costs are going to be extremely low. There'll be no grinding. Um, so um, it's tremendously exciting for us. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, how is Brazil's mining industry sort of developed since we last spoke? 
Um, I mean, has there been any new changes or developments um, that we and the audience should know about? Uh, yeah, um, there has been a number of... Uh, Brazil has a very well-developed uh, mining industry. Um, so Kinross's biggest mine, so for, for those of your listeners that have um, come across, are familiar with Kinross, it's one of the industry's largest producers. Their biggest gold mine is in Brazil, and it's Brazil's biggest mine. It's called Parica 2. It's over 500,000 ounces, so that keeps powering away. It's um, There's tens of million ounces of Parica 2. Last year, I think they produced about 530,000 uh, ounces. Kinross is active in country. Um, you've got uh, Anglo Gold, um, um, which is also very active in, in country. Um, they've got two big mining complexes. Um, you've got uh, Yamana that runs the Jacobina mine. You've got London Mining that uh, has Chapada. London Mining uh, bought Chapada about two years ago now for about 800 million US dollars. So there's, there's quite a lot happening here. You've got Equinox Gold, which is one of the fastest growing gold producers in country. They've just announced that they are uh, that they're, they're going to put the... Um, uh, what's the name of the, one of the projects into uh, into production? Um, Santa Luz. Um, that that will be their fourth mine in Brazil. You've got Horizonte mine, mining on the nickel side uh, that is currently raising money to a very large nickel project in the same state as us in Pará. Um, you know, there's there's a lot going on, Rob, in the in the mining space. Um, obviously, COVID has um, has, has uh, slowed things down, particularly last year. Uh, we certainly suspended our project for uh, work on our project for three months, but um, you know it's an important contributor to the uh, to the economy, and there's a very deep pool of talent with lots of very very smart people in Brazil. And Brazil obviously um, is is commodity rich. You know this is a place where you can work twelve months of the year. So that goes to what I was saying about news flow. Um, you know there, you know I live in Canada, but there is. Um, you know, northern Canada, basically, it's very difficult to work in, in the winter. And there are lots of places like that. And we can work 12 months of the year. So there's drill news 12 months of the year. Um, so um, it's a good place. It's, it's, a, it's a very good place to invest because there is that mining infrastructure. You know, the Karajas mining complex, which is on the other side of our state, uh, on the uh, eastern side of the state, is the world's largest iron ore mining complex. So it's a big producer of things like iron ore, bauxite, uh, copper, the gold, uh, nickel, um, probably several other things that I can't remember. Yeah. Um, so as a, as a conclusion, what can investors expect in terms of sort of news flow? Obviously, you mentioned news flow a few times um, and potential catalysts over the next 12 months. Um, and yeah. what will be um, your priorities? Yeah, news flow, critically important. As I said, this again, this goes back to your initial question. Uh, for us, We've got five rigs turning. And so we've got a 30,000 meter drill program planned over the next uh, nine or 10 months. So through to the end of June, we have a fully funded drill program. So it's really all about drilling. Uh, I think we're going, most of our drilling will go into defining the high grade uh, zones uh, within our project, with it, both within the two known deposits and within a couple of those other targets where we currently don't have a resource, but we have some very good drill holes. So really defining high grade resources on our project is kind of key. Uh, in addition to that, however, we're going to continue to drill off these oxide blankets. Um, as I said, I'm very confident, very optimistic. I don't want to, I don't want to guarantee anything in our business, but I'm very optimistic there'll be a third uh, blanket and possibly more of these oxide blankets. So secondary objective will be to continue that program. Um, 
um, and make more of those kind of discoveries because they are so attractive from an economic perspective. Uh, and we are going to be doing some diamond drilling on some of the other regional, some of the other 43 regional targets where, as I said, we've got cracking boulders and very high grade veins sticking out of the ground. And um, so really the potential catalyst for us over the next 12 months, uh, Rob, is really all about discovery. And so I think a lot of people, uh, again, investors, you know, they, they like to have production uh, and, and, and indeed, everybody likes to have cash flow and see that the company is making money. But actually, if you look at where you really get the big value jump, it's actually at the discovery stage. So that is the most important thing, uh, you know, to look for companies that have, have a very, very good chance of making significant discoveries going forward. Um, so... Um, uh, beyond that, uh, probably around about this time next year or towards the end of next year, we'll look to update the resources. Um, we'll certainly put all the information on the uh, on the website as we as we as we get it back. All the different sections will, will be on the website as we advance the drilling. But there's an awful lot happening, so it's it's tremendously exciting. I think uh, I think we've got drilling planned on 14 or 15 targets over the next 10 months. Okay, Alan, really appreciate your time, and uh, it's an exciting, uh, exciting uh, journey. It seems that you've got planned ahead, and I know how, obviously, like I mentioned in the introduction, how passionate you are about this project and the potential it has. So, um, our audience hopefully will follow your progress and um, look forward to for you to coming on the podcast um, next year with a with an update and see how things uh, progress. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Rob. And if anybody has any questions for me, uh, you can contact me through the website, info at cabralgold.com, or you can contact me directly at A-L-A-N, Alan, at cabralgold.com. Please drop me a line. Love to hear from you. Yes, yeah, certainly. I was just going to go on to that and uh, ask how can how can our audience get in contact with you? We'll put all those details in the, in the show notes. So, um, audience, if you've got any questions that you want to ask Alan, um, please get in contact with him. Um, like, obviously... Like you can hear, Alan's really passionate about this project and there certainly is a lot of upside uh, to what, what they're doing there. Um, and like, for, like you mentioned, investors, um, certainly there is a lot of upside um, over the next probably next few years. So um, if you want to reach out to Alan, please uh, get in contact. So I um, hope you guys uh, enjoyed listening. Appreciate if you can uh, share and like this episode, um, pass, pass uh, this episode on to other people within the industry, um, people that you know, maybe investors, or even just other people within the mining industry that would be interested in listening um, about a uh, potential discovery in South America and obviously maybe Brazil. So um, appreciate your continued support. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.